tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Gabriel Mahogat, Angela, and welcome along to the second hour of uh, Tip Today, uh, 1800-938-007. That's a free phone number. And uh, Linda is looking after the shop uh, today. Lots coming into us on text and WhatsApp, and we'll bring you that a little later on in uh, the programme. But right now, it's time for... Legal discussion on Tip Today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors joins me in studio morning to you, John. Happy New Year to you. And many happy returns to you as well. Um, And uh, we were just talking off air. Poor old Larry Gogan, no longer with us as well. God, yeah. Marion Finucane, like all legends. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's very sad. It's amazing, isn't it? We grew up with those voices as well. Larry was a fair old age, though, wasn't he? 81. Well, that wasn't. That's not a fair old age now. You yeah, know? yeah. I, know. I actually thought he was older. Funnily yeah, enough, but yeah. Well, he's go. been around for so long. <laughs> he's been around. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, so you're going to have some legal um, New Year's resolutions. Yeah, one is that of right? them. One of them is to change the jingle. <laughs> uh, yeah, and funny in the jingle. Uh, it talks about divorce.com, which we no longer have. The website divorce.com. Right. And funny. <coughs> fake news. Fake news. Fake news, yeah. <laughs> but this time last year, you may remember, I wasn't as well as I am this time this year. And I spent a bit of time looking at the website and Google Analytics and all this kind of thing. And this morning I got in a report on the website. And it ties in with something that seems to come up every year and that is that apparently now, I mean this is a bit like Black Friday or whatever but apparently the first Monday in January is now being called Divorce Day and the reason for that is that there's a spike in the amount of inquiries that come in in January and the reason that I'm tying that into the analytics on the website is that when I looked at the website stats this morning Lo and behold, what did I find? But there was a spike in two things, inquiries under the family law section of the website and also prenups. So it's really, uh, you know, I mean, I was sitting there listening to a fella, you know, one of these podcasts, or was it a podcast, a YouTube, whatever, yesterday about, you know, trying to analyse your site and how it works and all the rest. And one of the things that he was saying was, look at your stats and see what's working on your site and what's not working. And try and, and the big, the big, and again, I'm digressing here, but the big kind of area of kind of understanding that, that I need to get my head around is that if you're doing all this kind of Google analytics and you're doing websites and all that, you're trying to get into the head of the person who's listening to you as in the person who's looking for the information mm, from mm. you. You know, the whole idea is to, t- to tie in what you have on your site with what people are looking for. It sounds really simple, but it's quite hard to do it. But there's the first example, funnily enough, of what this guy was saying. He was saying, well, if you have a lot of content on your website, which we do, I mean, I've built up content over the last five or six years, I'd say, if not longer, and there's quite a considerable amount of content on it. And the question you'd ask is, like, if there's so much content on it, why, you know, is it not, are there more, not more clicks and all this kind of Mm, thing? mm. But there you go. Prenupal agreements, uh, disputes with neighbours, and... um, 
divorce were the two, three right. top areas. So that's not quite January. at odds with that notion then no. that at the start of January no. people look no. to parting. Yeah, well, people in, yeah, the New Year's resolutions, you mm. know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to tidy this up, I'm going to sort it. I suppose we all do it. In, in, but is in it a, as simple as, I don't, I won't disrupt the family at Christmas time, correct. the kids and yeah. all of that. Let's park that yeah. and in January we'll deal well, with it. Well, I mean, I mean, we got a couple of inquiries before Christmas and the reason that we got the inquiries before Christmas is, as you know, in December, they shortened the time frame for divorce to two years. Yes. And this came in just before Christmas. Mm. So there was a, a number of people who got on to us before Christmas saying, well, you know, we're not going to do it, obviously, just mm. coming up to Christmas, mm-hmm. but we will do it in the new year. So there was there's a number of if you like, parked applications they're going to activate in January. So, you know, in terms of New Year's resolutions, there's a resolution that seems to find its way to the top of the resolution list mm. without any prompting. It leads you to believe as well that there's a kind of a, a civilised element to the decision to divorce in a lot of cases then. Because if you're able to say to somebody, listen, we'll put family first now, we'll put kids yeah. first, yeah. we'll deal with that and we'll... We'll, we'll look to parting, as I say, in, in January. But there is, Fran, because, I mean, to be fair, in question, we always hear about the bad cases. Of course. We always discuss, we always seem to discuss the ones that are horrific. We always talk about the ones that are highly contested. But, I mean, the percentage, I mean, there's two things that, that, that yeah, I think that's worth mentioning when it comes to divorce in Ireland is first of all we've the lowest stats in terms of divorce for all of Europe so we're not a high divorce rate country that in itself I think I don't think it's unfair to draw the inference from that that we probably have more successful marriages than in other countries so therein lies the other side of it is that when people are breaking up it doesn't mean that every one of them uh, are contentious and get into a situation. And I mean, there may be the initial, you know, rawness of the the scenario. And, you know, you are looking, like you're looking at a very small percentage of marriages, number one. And then when you are looking at those small percentage of marriages, you have a small percentage of those marriages that are contested. But you have a large percentage of marriages uh, where there is a breakup situation where the clients will actually come into you and say, look, listen, John, I don't want to create aggro for my partner I want to look after my partner I don't want to create aggro for the children I want to try and minimise that and I think to a certain extent I think a New Year's resolution for lawyers should be not to aggravate that and funny I was having a conversation with somebody whose niche market and this is something now I've learned on the Google Analytics they're big into niche marketing but the niche market person I was talking to was a psychologist who specialises in that area of looking at highly contentious family dynamics and offering views and opinions on how they might be resolved. And we had this conversation where I said to them, I said, look, I've been involved in this area for as long as it's been around. I've been involved in family law since I started to practice 30 some odd years ago. And the one thing that I would always say is that when you go down the route of high confrontation, it seems to be never ending. It seems to be just a vicious circle that keeps repeating itself. And clients that I would have spoken to, let's say at the start of the transaction, 
when you're saying, look, listen, you need to like, number one, you need to look after yourself. You need to make sure that your head is in the right place, you know, that your emotions are in the right place. You know, in other words, look after yourself first and then you'll be able to look after all the other elements which are dealing with your children and dealing with your former ex-partner or whatever. But, you know, when people don't do that and then they get into this kind of combat mode, that combat mode, in my experience, in those very small number of cases, mm. and there are a small number of cases, just keep repeating itself over and over again. It's and very, very expensive. Oh, very sad, but it's it's very expensive in every way. In every way, it's yeah. expensive emotionally, yeah. it's expensive family-wise, extended family-wise. So it's hugely. So if there's a New Year's resolution that I would ask somebody to make if they're in that mode of, you know, we need to sort this out and, you know, this relationship has to end. My uh, suggestion is that the top of the New Year's resolution is not to do it confrontationally. Mm. Not, don't go down that confrontational route. Now, there's always a but, and the but is that if you have no choice and if you have to go down that route to get a resolution, well, then you know, mm. that's what you must do. But do it as efficiently and as as effectively and as quickly as you can. So in other words, like make the decision reasonably quickly after things have settled down as to whether, you know, can I go down the amicable route? And if I can, let's mediate it. Let's mm. sit down and let's get both sides together either, you know, obviously I'd have a vested interest in arguing that you should do it formally through the legal channels, but you do it through mediation and a mediation agreement. If you have to go down the court route, I think the sooner you get to the end of that process, the better. Mm. So your resolution should be to, okay, if I have no choice but to go down that route, we'll Mm. try and bring it to a conclusion as quickly as possible. Because in my experience... When you're in a high conflict situation and conflict feeds conflict, you know, it's mm. a bit like he said, she said, and it goes on and on and on. And, you know, every letter provokes a whole series of more confrontations. And so the sooner you put an end to that and try and get, and I do hear people saying to me here, well, the court system isn't exactly the best place to get a quick resolution. Yes. And the only thing that you would say on that is that you just make sure that you do the best you can to get a resolution as quickly as possible. Right. Some people might say it's strange to hear you saying that because there is a perception out there that your colleagues uh, try to sort of milk this as much as they can and drag it out as much as they can. Well, you see, in my experience, and I can only talk from my own experience and from the experience that we have in the office, you see, that's... If I was talking to a colleague, I'd say that that would be counterproductive. Why? Because if you're a client who's involved in this scenario and I bring it to a conclusion as quickly as possible, you know, you're going to be a much happier client. You're going to be much happier to pay me a reasonable fee for the work that I've done on the basis that you can see what it is. And look, it's like everything else, Fran. There's always going to be situations where people at the end of the day will tell you, my God, I didn't realise it was going to cost that mm. much or whatever. And the difficulty is often that you sit down with somebody and say, look, listen, believe it or believe it not, I'd much prefer to get paid over a shorter period of time 
with a satisfied client than have something prolonged for years and then end up having to sit down and mm. tell you, well, look, I'm really sorry here, but we agreed that you would, you know, I would charge X, Y, and Z on an hour. Here's the time record. Well, I mean, who wants to do of that? Of course. You know? But of, of course, it can be a very uh, complicated situation. And if somebody is of Correct. considerable means, Correct. The, the, it so can. it depends on and, that and, too, and, doesn't and it? The, and the trouble is that, and again, go back to that conversation that I had with the psychologist. What I said to them was that I have rarely, you know, you're, you're, you're in a situation where it's high conflict and people aren't thinking about the cost of it. Never mind the emotional cost or the psychological cost. They're not thinking of the financial cost of it. And it's only when the the mist lifts, if you like, that they suddenly look and go, oh my God, and they see all the fatalities and all of the debris that's been left after the conflict, that they suddenly realise, oh my God, Look at look at this, and this is going to cost X, Y, and Z. You know, but yeah. Are you going to talk to us a bit about uh, prenups as well? Seeing mm. seeing that it came up. Uh, yeah, I mean the big debate about prenups and the big. Would, would you just explain it first? Yeah, of all? yeah. Sorry, yeah. prenuptial agreement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like the mechanic talking about the carburetor <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. Although I had a great experience going along the back road to Newcastle the other. Well, I didn't have it. The, my good wife had it, where she hit something. I think she ripped the front tyre and the back tyre she doesn't seem to have any idea as to what she hit but uh, yeah so anyway when I got the fella the fella arrived from the AA and I'm going to the boot and opening the boot of the car and I'm looking at the boot and going where the hell is the spare wheel? <laughs> there is there's no spare wheel. <laughs> That's how long oh, it I is. Know, That's I know. how long. Gee, but I anyway, know. he puts this funny wheel on it and we got home. But anyway, sorry. That's, so that's the wheel wasn't say. included in the prenup. <laughs> no. the, this is like a Billy Connolly story now, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, mean, I suppose to a certain extent, the prenup is like having the spare wheel in the boot. Because I was wondering how you were going to tie that in. <laughs> well, I mean, to a certain extent, like if the car does break down, I mean, I mean, sorry now, I don't mean to be silly about this, but if the marriage does break down right, and you go looking for the spare tyre, I mean, the spare tyre, obviously in the car, is to get you home. Right. But in the case of a prenup, it's to get you home, as in get you out of the relationship. So what so, exactly is it then? It's well, an agreement. It, it's an agreement, mm. basically. And what a prenup is, really simply, is you sit down, I mean, instead of going down on your bended knee and saying, will you, you say, well, okay, but before <laughs> we do that, can we work out the terms? The romance of it all. Yeah, so, I mean, to a certain extent, yeah, or the lack of romance of it. I mean, the irony of it is, often queries come on prenups from parents. I mean, the amount of parents that contact us with a view to sorting a prenup, and the reason for it quite seriously is that there may be substantial family assets tied into one of the parties who's getting married mm. and watch what people and like it's very common in a farming scenario mm. it's very common in a business scenario and it's been very common over the last 10 or 15 years that you've had really significant rows about the amount of contribution that the partner would have made the, the spouse would have made to the business which was historically run by the family and suddenly we had Mary or Johnny who were now running it. So it's a really significant issue when you're talking about substantial assets. I mean, in the normal run of the mill, it obviously isn't. But the, the, the thing about it is, to a certain extent, you could argue 
that it focused the mind. You could argue that. And one wonders that if I was sitting down talking to the Accord people, you know the way, I don't know, did you do the, the, the pre-marriage the, one? I did. Yeah, I, I got a pass on it. Why, I don't know. But I think I was aware of something. I probably right. should have done it because I think everybody should do it. Yeah. But you just wonder whether or not, you know, it should be part of the whole marriage uh, preparation is to actually discuss, well, what happens if this doesn't work out? And, you know, you know, rather than get into a row about it, let's agree now that if I had a house before we got married, that that house you know, stays with me. And if you had a house, or what happens if I have, my parents are well up, well, well off, and yours aren't, whatever? And can we agree that anything that we build together as a couple is something that we will divide? If you look at the German model, for example, the German model is very, I mean, not surprisingly, maybe, and that doesn't mean no disrespect intended to Germans, but yes. Europeans are much more structured. Yes, and logical. In, and logical yeah. when they come to mm. these things. I mean, if you've ever tried to deal with the European in a legal context, I mean, they just don't understand why, when you say I do it next Friday, that it's a bit like, what do you call your man, the Dustin? Was it Dustin? Which Friday? Well, they yeah. don't understand the which Friday, as far as they're concerned. So when you're looking at a marriage scenario, you know, you will be very specifically able to say that asset was outside the marriage prior to the marriage, so therefore it's not included. Those assets were assets that were generated during the course of the marriage, so therefore they are included. And in the German scenario, if there's a prenup agreement, is it recognised? The big question in Ireland is that while we have legislated for what we call separation agreements, because you see, you can have and have had situations where historically, and probably going to be less so now, but historically, people would have been separated for 20 and 30 years and would have done a written agreement. Mm. So the big question was, how are we going to handle these? And that's for another you know, that's another day Mm. and probably now more academic than practical because of your two-year divorce. They were recognised within our system. Prenups per se are not recognised within the Irish system. And there's the big debate as to whether or not is there a constitutional kind of override on a prenup. And the quite the point and the the kind of I in my opinion now, this is my own opinion, personal opinion, is that The system says that you must ensure, if you're a court dealing with a divorce scenario, you must ensure that there is proper provision made for the parties to the marriage, including any dependents to the marriage. So therefore, there's an overriding kind of rule there that so the way that the courts, in my view, would look at a prenup is they would say, well, okay, does it comply with the kind of fundamental constitutional prerogative, which is to ensure proper provision is made? If it doesn't, so if you had a prenup that was totally skewed, that completely left somebody out without any provision mm. at all, then the courts would right. do something with it. But they might choose to recognise exactly. the prenup. And they were more likely to recognise it if it is a reasonably fair one that, if you like, reflects the kind of current thinking on proper provision, if you know what I'm saying. Right. So, in other words, that when you're, when you're devising a prenup, like if I'm advising somebody in a prenup, I'm going to say to them, but like, that could fall foul of 
not making proper provision. So you might have somebody who would be married, getting married, and you might have somebody who's entirely dependent financially on one of the parties, and they might bring to the marriage, you know, the caring, minding the children, mm. etc., etc. And if you just completely have a prenup that says, well, if we, if we separate, you get nothing. Right, you know, right, in that right. scenario, it puts no value on on exactly, on, on the per- exactly. yeah. It's it's very interesting, isn't it? Uh, will that legislation is that due for change in the some prenup, way? The, no, no, the recognition that, of the prenup. No, but no. no, but it's very much in the offing in terms of looking at it because we have in Ireland the Law Reform Commission, and the Law Reform Commission now I could be wrong in this, but I think that one of their, if you like wish list, maybe mm. it's their news resolutions as you, but one of their wish list items is looking at the, at the prenup in the context of right. how enforceable it is. Before I let you go, I want to ask you about something that came up on on, on your Facebook. My um, Facebook? Yeah. Oh um, which is that the next big um, joint, I suppose, uh, 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 legal situation, maybe the meshes Oh, yes, yes. Would you just tell us a bit about that? Well, the scenario is that there was a class action in Australia on the vaginal meshes, and it has been out there for some time now that there's a hugely negative impact of them, and they have caused very serious problems. These were a gynecologist? yes. Gee, was yeah. what was a birth control? Yeah, yes, yeah. or if if gynecological yes. problems, yeah, yes. I nearly fell over that as well. But you see, it's been out there for a while that there's been a problem with them. But if you look at um, the Dupuy hips, for example, mm. in Australia, and ironically, again in Australia, they were withdrawn from the market because of the adverse effects they were having. Likewise with the mesh. And we now have a class action by that has been that has succeeded in Australia that has highlighted the lack of information that was released on the downside and the difficulties with it and the lack of warnings and the the basically the negligence by the manufacturers. And again it's another huge issue that's waiting to break right in on and this, it's relevant on this here side. as well is oh it? absolutely right. yeah, absolutely it's relevant both here it's in europe as well because right. it's international again it's you know it's a johnson and johnson type scenario it's a product right. that's been released into the marketplace that has had huge ramifications for people on personal levels and the thing about it now is you see now that has broken in australia as in now that we've got a case a class action in Australia. Now, from a legal perspective, you now have something which is out there now in the public arena. Like a precedent say, of sorts. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a warning that there's an issue with it. Yes. So therefore, anybody, and this is why we've published it, this is why anybody who has difficulty with and has had difficulty should immediately go about inquiring about right. it because, again, like everything else, the clock, you know, that whole clock that we keep talking about, the statute of limitations, will start to tick once it becomes, it comes into the public arena. Right. But as you've told us many, many times, we can't do class action here. So these no, are all going to be individual cases. Yeah, it's one by, it's another cervical right. cancer scenario. So what do you say to people who may be affected by this? I then? say go and 
go and do something about it and start literally we're at the point in time now where we're starting another if you like group action on it so you're you're back into the same scenario again i mean what's really disturbing about this is that there's so many of these out there and you keep asking the question why why do we have a scenario where there's so little supervision on and I mean, I remember, I remember when we researched, and we did a considerable amount of research on the Dupuy Hip scenario. And I remember watching a program on, was it Channel 4, that highlighted the lack of supervision when you're putting devices, and particularly devices, into the, into the human body. system. Yeah. But into the system. And if you look at drugs and the way that we look at drugs and how much and how many hoops you've got to go through with drugs, but in this particular programme, like, I mean, they were showing a heart um, stint. Stint, am I, is it called? Stent. Stent, stent. Yes. Stint, stint is something else. A stent. But they were putting a heart stent into this poor devil. And he, he basically had a, a convulsion as a result of it. And these are things that they're putting into the system, leaving in the system. Then there's, there's problems coming and they're doing nothing about it. I mean, people ask, why are there so many negligence actions? Well, that's why, because they don't monitor them correctly. It's interesting. Listen, it's great to see you, John, and uh, looking forward to all the broadcasting over the new year as well. Thanks very much today. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors. It's 10.32. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Subaru dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie